how did you, after you finished your training, figure out where you wanted to practice, what you wanted to do, who you wanted to join up with, having a partner, which you've had in your practice for many years, is like a ma- it's more than a marriage in some ways because it's, there are so many issues that have to be dealt with. And you've had one of the more successful practice practices with a, another plastic surgery partner. I always feel like it's hurting, like trying to get cats to, to come together. It's impossible. It's very difficult. And yet, so how did you start all that? And, and what did you think? How did you figure all that out? So I have seen I've or heard of over and over again, so many plastic surgery practices that don't make it. That, that seems like a good thing when it starts and uh, turns into disaster, quite frankly. And uh, it, we have a really unique, Richard Winters and I, we have a really unique relationship and a really unique history that's gone on for 22 years without ever having an argument, I would add. We've never had a disagreement. We've never had an argument. I'm not married to this man. My husband is a child psychiatrist and he has his own wife and he's been married to his wife for almost 30 years and we have a a wonderful professional relationship and we really never have had a major disagreement which is like it's that's that i don't think there's been a plastic surgery partnership maybe in history that's ever gone that far without it i don't expect there will be and it's an interesting beginning he was a year ahead of me at cornell so we only overlapped by a year and I had kids. He didn't have kids yet. We were both married to our spouses. We lived in uh, Payson House uh, across the street from the mm-hmm. hospital. Mm-hmm. And I didn't meet him for, for a really long time because they tended to take the strong residents and not pair them with the other strong residents. Take that for what it is, but I never worked with Rick. And we used to meet at uh, M&M conferences and at journal clubs and things like that, but I never really worked with him all that much. I just knew of him and anybody who knows anything about my partner, Dr. Winters, is that everyone knows of him. And uh, he has a very strong personality uh, and a, a, a very uh, unique personality and uh, is one of the be- certainly one of the best people I know. But at the time, I didn't know that. And uh, my wife, my husband and his wife met first in the building on their free time. And they became friends before I ever met, before I ever really hung out with Rick. Skip forward, he had gone to his fellowship at the Bunky Clinic out in California to in San Francisco to do a microsurgical fellowship and a hand fellowship. And I was in my second year of plastic surgery and had started to look into where I was going to go practice. And Rick was going to go practice in Connecticut, where he had come from, University of Connecticut. And I had gotten, I'd been talking to some people in Manhattan. I'd been talking to some people in New Jersey. My father uh, wasn't attending at Hackensack Hospital, did practice there for 40 years at the time. It was about 25, 30 years um, in OBGYN. So I always knew that would be advantageous to have a parent who everybody knew, who delivered everybody's children in Bergen County. And I had come out to Hackensack to get the lay of the land. And I had talked to one of the wonderful plastic surgeons out there, Craig Hall. He was uh, uh, no longer with us, unfortunately, but was a wonderful person and a wonderful craniofacial surgeon as well. And uh, he and I talked about potentially me joining his practice. I had I had talked to a few other people and uh, I had talked to the administration there about what my focus was going to be, reconstructive surgery, microsurgery, a lot of breast reconstructive and, and cancer reconstructive. And uh, I got a phone call. This is a very uh, strange scenario. I got a phone call from the administration of the hospital and they said, we're thinking about hiring a plastic surgeon on staff, would you like to come and uh, would you like to bring a friend? 
<laughs> we think there's more work here than one person can accomplish. And we, we, we're thinking about hiring staff plastic surgeons. So I uh, thought it was an interesting idea, thought that I hadn't really clicked with anybody that great as far as being a partner, being a, a junior partner. And long story short, I talked to Rick. He was out in California. He flew out. He, he was the first person I thought of when I thought about who else might consider throwing it all up and coming to Hackensack with me. He came, he met, he, we, we met everybody. Long story short, while we decided it was a great thing to do, we got the lay of the land. We saw how busy Hackensack was. We saw how busy their breast center was and their trauma center was and what was going on there. At that same time, Hackensack decided they didn't want to hire any plastic surgeons. <laughs> great. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, so after we were halfway down this road where we had already been talking about office space and salaries and all this kind of thing, uh, the worst, one of the worst days of my practice life was the day I had to call Rick after he had given up the job in Connecticut, call him at four o'clock in the morning, his time, because he was out in California. And I, of course, was going to the operating room at Cornell and tell him that I just had a call from one of the uh, administrators at Hackensack who had said that the deal's off. There's no deal. We don't need plastic surgery. And to his amazing credit, he sort of took a half and I was devastated. I thought, oh my God, I've ruined this guy's life. I've changed the, the path of his career and now I have nothing for him. And um, to his credit, he took a half a breath and he said, you know what? We're going to do it anyway, because it is a great opportunity. And from what I've seen there, there's a lot to do, and this will be very beneficial. And people balked at us coming. There must be a reason. And they're worried about us coming there. So it's what we're going to do. And I said, okay. And we decided, so what we did was something very unusual, which was we went into private practice with two junior partners and no senior partner. And we both luckily had spouses that worked so that we had some supportive salary and we opened we hung up a shingle essentially and we said you know what let's give it a year and we'll just be at Hackensack let's not run around to seven different hospitals and be itinerant surgeons we want to just try to focus on one place and uh, if we're making money in a year we'll 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 keep going and at six months we were making a salary and uh, the rest is history as they say right. it, it, it just went it just went from there we have had no operating agreement between the two of us for 22 years really We've been we have we we have not that's a whole other story but we we met mm -hmm. a lawyer in our first year who said I don't understand you're both here you need to have your own lawyer and one of you needs to have me and then we can make an operating agreement and we just said we make us something he said i'll make you a vanilla document and then in a year one of you will come with your own lawyer and one of you will keep me and we'll make a we'll make an operating agreement and uh, that that vanilla document that we made 22 years ago is still sitting in a drawer somewhere we've ne we've never touched it never looked at it never changed it and uh, I, I think that the, the key for us has been we have the same philosophy about running our practice, obviously. Mm -hmm. We want to do good surgery. We care more about taking care of people and doing surgery well and, and really fixing complicated problems. Care more about that than how much money we're making, sad to say, but that's unfortunately some people's motivation. And uh, both of us wanted the other to succeed more. We started everything at 50-50. When we opened up this practice, we literally split everything down the middle 50-50. So there was, and both of us wanted to be the one that worked harder 
and got the 50%. But neither of us wanted to be the slacker. We both worked our butts off. And obviously, our financial arrangements got more sophisticated over time. And uh, now we have two partners, obviously. They have an operating agreement. <laughs> and uh, and uh, the way with the way that, that we, it, we split everything up got more sophisticated as time went on. And there were more time constraints. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but several years into practice, I fractured uh, my cervical spine in in five places. Okay. Yeah. So I was in a halo for four months and I, I it was a horseback riding accident and I, I couldn't operate for three of those four months. Didn't want, at that time, I didn't want... He, we were still paying each other 50-50. And I said, well, that's not, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing anything for three months. So we started a different, a slightly different system where mm-hmm. we still paid ourselves equal amounts, but then we bonus based on how much each one was working and that kind of more complicated thing. But the nuts and bolts aren't as important, right. but, but, but that's how it's gone. And it's been that way ever since. It's amazing because it flies in the face of everything that I've ever heard with any other plastic surgeon. So every other yes. plastic surgeon, you're right. Always senior partner, junior partner, because someone has to be established. Nobody just starts a practice with two juniors. Everyone starts at multiple hospitals, taking ER call, building up from the ground. Everyone has complicated financial agreements because everyone knows someone's going to be backstabbing somebody else or there's going to be some other issue. Uh, yes. Nobody does it on a handshake, essentially, which is what you guys did. <laughs> yes. and, and your personalities are so diametrically different in so many ways. You, if you literally took one person and split their personalities in half, like they do on a science fiction show, you'd have Rick on one side. Right? Like, uh, yin and yang, for Yeah, sure. very yin yeah. yang. And it can be done. I would say that what you guys have done is like hitting the lotto, probably. Yes, it, it would be hard to say this. People ask us all the time for uh, practice advice and and Rick better than me could give you some very practical practice advice and contract advice and, and all that salary advice and, and all that kind of thing. But in the end, we, we I would never point to my experience and say this is what you need to do because it's not reproducible. It, it, it really isn't. It just happened that way and mm-hmm. we were very we were very lucky. You know, we've always known like you said, it's like a marriage. And we've always known throughout the whole history of this that if something was really important to him, I didn't care. And if something was really important to me, vice versa, he didn't care. So it, there's always been that very, if, if there's something that's important to you, I, eh, whatever, you do what you want to do. It's right. it's fine. Uh, we always called him the business partner and me the creative partner. <laughs> so I get to make the creative decisions and he gets to make the business decisions. And it's worked out very well for both of us. I'm sure this would be a good MBA case study somewhere that they could figure out what actually made this one work when most of them actually don't. But so then as you started developing your practice, you already knew you wanted to do cancer reconstruction, breast reconstruction from the get-go. Is that right? Yeah. You know what? We were, when I came, we were both very much like, we're going to do everything. We're going to, we're going to do all kinds of reconstruction. And uh, we started doing that, but just having been very confident in my experience at Sloan Kettering and having done a lot of breast reconstructive surgery, I felt very comfortable with that. So I started giving lectures to the breast surgeons, to the oncologists, to the radiation oncologists, to to the OBGYNs, giving lectures about breast reconstruction was in a sort of a transitional phase at that. I was mostly, believe it or not, giving lectures 
about autologous breast tissue reconstruction because which as you know is not really my 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 focus now I do far fewer I still do them obviously but I do far fewer autologous reconstructions than I do implant based and implant with autologous a combo type of reconstructions but we were really we really came in and had this big focus on very complex reconstructions and Rick and his personality really fit, fit in well with the chest surgeons and the orthopedic surgeons and mine fit in well with the breast surgeons and so by default headed that direction and then obviously now we're super specialized I haven't done a, a case where there's pus involved in a very very long time. <laughs> such a smart person for doing that <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. <laughs> yeah, so that got developed obviously in the, in in that direction as we mm-hmm. went our more separate ways, and mm-hmm. uh, it took about five to ten years before we really layered it out. Rick, believe it or not, I used to do rhinoplasties and do replants, and Rick used to do breast reconstruction. It seems strange now because it's been so many years where we've really gotten away from that. Right. But but that's all that. That's how that all settled out. And then, so now, what are your favorite operations? What do you enjoy doing? I, I, my every, all the residents could tell you immediately. My favorite operation is to do a latissimus reconstruction for breast for breast reconstruction, and I, I just think that is the best operation on the planet to to fix almost any problem that muscle could reach. And I tell I tell the residents when I'm teaching them, you can't kill a latissimus flap. It is the most versatile, most functional. And I'm swimming upstream in the breast reconstruction community. Went to a breast reconstruction conference a long time ago. It was like 15, 20 years ago. And Sumner Slavin from Harvard was giving oh, yeah. a talk about latissimuses. And he was saying, it's the best operation in the world. Why is everybody doing tram flaps when you can do a latissimus flap? And and then slowly but surely, I became Sumner Slavin because I just can't stop touting the advantages of latissimus flaps. I've, in February, actually in PRS, we have a paper coming out on outpatient latissimus flaps for secondary breast reconstruction. Uh, I, it, it's an outpatient surgical procedure. Everybody does well. They don't have pain. I love the physical doing of it. It's the simplest flap to dissect out. and It always gives you excellent amount of coverage for whatever it is you want to do. So I love doing that operation. Yeah. Reliability, especially as you start doing so many cases is very key for everything. I've had a very strong desire since going into breast reconstructive surgery to make it more of an outpatient experience for patients. I've always had this very strong belief that if a woman who has to have a, a mastectomy can not stay in a hospital, I always tell patients that if I can, the smallest surgical footprint that I can leave on somebody, I, I think that they re, emotionally and psychologically, it, it goes an enormous way towards getting people over it and past it. And, and obviously you need to have a stable reconstruction so that they don't look at some Something that's ugly or has to be covered every day, but but to to do that at the same time that you can get someone out of the hospital in the same day, get them up, walking, moving, eating, all the things that can sometimes be an uphill battle against patients and hospitals and patients' families who yep. want them to sit in bed all day long. Will go to my grave saying that the less time people spend in a hospital and the faster they get up and move, the better. So that's my favorite by 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 far. So at this point in your career, what is it that you look forward to every day or every week? And what is it that is the most annoying for you as a plastic surgeon at this point in your career? (laughs) 
I will say we haven't gotten to talk about my my mission trip, yes, which I told which you at the beginning of this is like the, the is right. my favorite thing to talk about. I'm very yappy. I apologize. I talk no, a lot, so there's a lot of information. But no. I, I would say that the biggest my biggest disappointment of 2020 with the COVID epidemic was that we had to cancel at the last minute our trip to Ghana, which was going to be our 13th medical mission trip, mm-hmm. and that I, certainly on a yearly basis that I look forward to that all year because those 10 days that we spend doing surgery in in other countries and other places are by far my what I look forward to all year and whereas on a daily basis in my practice I get a ton out of taking care of my breast cancer patients and doing breast reductions and helping women who feel happier after all this is done and feel more settled. There's really nothing like the week that you experience when you're in a third world country and um, these people who have had no other option. You, our team falls out of the sky for these people. We, they have no option um, to have any of these issues fixed and we fall out of the sky and they come in droves and, uh, and you can fix so many things in such a, a short period of time that never would have happened had you not been there. And the people are so grateful. There's no paperwork and there's no, <laughs> there's no legal, there's no lawyers to hound you for small things. And, and so you really get to be a real doctor. And, and that's, I think, something that unfortunately we're losing nowadays. Doctors are different. It's not like my father's era. And I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the, I really enjoy the challenge of diagnosing something. I love puzzles. I love the challenge of trying to fi- figure out how to fix something, really complicated things. I love the challenge of trying to get those little tiny lips back together again, the noses to look like they're supposed to look. I, I love the challenge of a really bad burn scar contracture that we don't see here in the United States. I have patients with burn scar contractures where their arms are solidified to their sides from their shoulder to their elbow. I'm sure you've seen it. The the elbow was bent at at such an angle that it's completely stuck down. Things that you never really, we see contractures in the U.S., but nothing like this. And really trying to figure out those complex problems, other than the good feeling you get from going and doing good for people. Mm -hmm. In my own personal, like what really gets my juices flowing Mm -hmm. is the puzzle of figuring those things out. And I think best on my feet. So I'm not one of those plastic surgeons who spends a lot of time like designing things before I go into the operating room. Mm -hmm. As you'll, as any of my residents will tell you, they're always like, what what marks did you put on the patient? And I'm always like, yeah, yeah, marks are for, (laughs) marks are for rookies. Uh, uh, Which is very, also not what most plastic surgeons will tell you. There's a very, most plastic surgeons feel very comfortable and for good reason, marking everything out very carefully before before you, you lie a patient down or before you take a patient to the operating room. I, I'm much better on my feet and I'm much better without putting a lot of constraints on myself before before I get there. And usually my answer when the residents are asking, why did you do that? I say, because that was what you needed to do. I think that was uh, what was right. I think that this is the part where you know how they have a car commercial and they say professional driver own, do not attempt. <laughs> That would be my caveat for this is when you're starting out, make all the marks you want, do all the planning, yes. do not attempt professional driver exactly. you know, doing this. A hundred percent. And there are some very accomplished surgeons who uh, do beautiful work who feel very strongly that the marks are really the most important thing. Uh, that's, not how my, that's not how my brain works. I, I that's understand. Not, that's not how I work. 